Hey everyone, this is your friend Bully, and you're listening to Bully Esquire. In this podcast, we chat with the movers and shakers from the worlds of finance, tech, crypto, politics, law, and media, and everything in between. Thanks for joining. Let's dive in. This podcast is powered by Blockworks, the fastest growing crypto media company. Blockworks has 20 crypto and finance podcasts, and I'm excited to be part of the network. Visit blockworks.co for access to the highest quality information in the space. I promise you won't be disappointed. Today's episode is brought to you by Node40, Crypto.com, and Gemini. You'll hear more about them later in the episode. Today we have Alex Adelman. Uh, super excited. He's the CEO and co-founder of Lolly. Alex, how are you doing? Good. Good to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no, thanks for taking time out of your day. I'm sure you're busy. So, uh, you know, before I kind of get into Lolly and what you guys are up to over there, I'm, I'm always sort of curious about the personal stories and how, how you, you know, got into crypto and, and what your background is. Uh, yeah, great question. Um, so, I mean, we, let's see, uh, where to start? Um, I, I was born and raised in North Carolina. Um, I, I was, uh, got my start in like vi- the video game space. Uh, I was like building video games um, back in the day. I, I like very much got into like building technology uh, through like play, playing, like, you know, got, I got a computer uh, or my, my family got a computer for, for the, the house um, and then ended up like learning how to uh, program from there. Uh, and then fast forward a little bit, um, I ended up um, building technology more professionally at like 16, started to build like payment processors and uh, backend platforms that required like, you know, international payments, which is relevant for where, where we're at today and, and, and Bitcoin in general. Um, and then I studied economics in, in university, um, got really fascinated with microfinance and, uh, and, and um, international economics in, in college and very quickly uh, started to realize how broken the, uh, the financial system was. Um, how I couldn't go send, you know, an engineer in, in Bangladesh or a uh, engineer or PM in Ukraine money anywhere in the world and how many middlemen take away all the fees uh, from me to, to them. And so early on, I was just had a, I just remember a lot of frustrations with uh, te- the technology side, but also the, the economics of how money uh, moves across the world. And I've, I've never really like being like a kid of the internet, never really saw the borders um, of, of, um, of that, that made sense to me because I like grew up, you know, connected with people through the internet, which, which really sure. should have no borders and has very few borders. So uh, fast forward a little bit, ended up um, having this idea for this universal cart, uh, this, this technology that would connect the world through commerce. And we created this, this technology called Cosmic that was uh, basically buy button technology. We were an e-commerce gateway that would hook into the biggest merchants in the world, and we would abstract the, those um, that, those uh, APIs to give them the ability to sell anywhere. So um, we ended up learning about Bitcoin 2013 as a team, um, got really interested in it, took it to all of our merchants, found that like payments was really not going to be the first um, you know major adopt piece of adoption. That Bitcoin was going to be very much a store of value for a long period of time because our merchants didn't want it. There, there were no remittance networks set up. There was no consumer demand. Number go up technology was very real and people didn't want to pay for something that, that you know, where the number kept going up. So we, we uh, basically like, you know, we all got into it personally, but we're never really like, never, never really made sense as a, as a payments business to integrate. Um, and then ultimately we got acquired by our biggest customer, which was Pop Sugar, to come in and power 1.2 billion in retail revenue running through the ShopStyle platform. Grew about 10x after that um, and got acquired by Rakuten, the biggest cashback company uh, in the US and many parts of the world. And then Rakuten, um, we ended up parting ways with them and we started to look at what we wanted to build next. And we kept looking at this, this idea of how do we distribute Bitcoin to more people? And we just thought that there would be this incredible way if we sort of paired the learnings of rewards and attached to shopping and, and then paired that with our, our knowledge of uh, Bitcoin and payments. So yeah, we launched Lolly as the easiest way for people to earn Bitcoin uh, when they do something they're going to do every day, which is shop. Um, so we launched about three years ago, and and uh, here we are today. 
Sure. Yeah. So what was the original team like? I mean, it was obviously you and then was it folks you'd met in your prior startup? Yeah. So my, uh, my co-founder, Matt and I, we built our last company together and now this company uh, together. And uh, yeah, we, we've just uh, worked really well together for, I guess, the, the last nine years. Um, uh, for the for Lolly, we, we uh, got the team back, uh, band back together. Uh, we've reached out to all of our old team members, and and I think one of the things like you know I, I really learned as a as a company, you could build a technology that could be transformative and something that you felt like you know left an impact on the world. And right now, like the technology that we built is like sitting in some database, and we have no control over it. So it was this realization that like the one of the things that mattered most when we were building anything was the people around us. And I wouldn't have changed the people that I built with, you know, over the last nine years. So my first inclination was like, let's go call up the dream team and like get everybody back together and, uh, and just do it all again. So yeah, called up Matt and, and uh, we just started building again. And um, yeah, he, he's an incredible co-founder um, and we've worked really well together over these last um, nine years and, and even more so over the last three years. So, yeah, and it's interesting you mentioned sort of like all the way back to 2013, because I remember when I was first getting into it, like Stripe was a big player. And then I think shortly thereafter, Stripe was like, oh, we're not even going to accept Bitcoin anymore. Like they tried it for a while and there just wasn't demand, like you said. Um, do you think that'll ever change? I mean, I know like BitPay now is talking about Apple Pay integration and this is getting a little off track, but I'm just curious with your sort of background in payments, if you think that it'll ever be like a viable settlement layer as like a payment functionality, or you think it's more just like, okay, people just view it now as a store of value and the like payment processing side of it is maybe like a second layer thing like lightning. Yeah, it's a really good question. And I actually found, I, I found that very few people in the crypto space come from the payments world. Um, and I, I find that really surprising. Um, but, you know, I, I've, I've been building in the payment space. Um, I mean, seriously building like like scalable enterprise tech for about uh, nine, almost ten years now. And I've been uh, I've been really, I mean, like having the frustrations of the payment space since I was sixteen. So I'm thirty two now, and and uh, yeah, sixteen half my life I've I've been frustrated with the payments world, and it just doesn't make sense why it works that way. And Stripe is a, I'm glad you brought up Stripe. Stripe is a very interesting example of like kind of reverse incentives. And one, one like uh, mental model or framework that I always look at the world at, and it's really helpful for, for understanding how the world works, how companies you know, work, is like asking what are they optimizing for? And most payment companies were not incentivized to uh, get into um, stable coins or Bitcoin or any cryptocurrency for that matter, because it disrupts their business. They are the taxmen. They are the, the middlemen that's taking their fee because they're extremely clunky, awful businesses. And they're all fighting over these like 0.1 mm -hmm. to, you know, one and a half percent. And there's really no need for them to be there anymore with crypto. So Stripe is a really interesting example. Very, very smart team, uh, incredibly brilliant founders, but they are that brilliant that they know that it, if they, you know, launched a solution that would basically disrupt themselves, they had to have a business model to support it. So they very quickly, you know, I think like, you know, we're like, oh crap, we got to go invent our own cryptocurrency. And so they, they like pretty much incubated um, Stellar, I think is the full story. And then they've been very hesitant to get into stable coins and like they can be a very powerful API and, but like they basically cannibalize their own business by doing that. So everybody's like right now is trying to find where they can make money if they're basically cannibalizing their business. And we took a very long view and, and this is part of, this is part of my viewpoint from Cosmic, but a lot of people don't understand this, but Cosmic actually made its money um, or I learned very early on that you couldn't make your money in payments. You had to have like billions and billions and billions of dollars to make money off of, of a high volume business. Mm -hmm. And so I, I kind of, how we were successful is we actually made money off the marketing side. We, we said the marketing budget's like almost limitless and, and we, there's no real, like, you know, basically your, mar your marketing is basically the margin of the entire product. So 
you know, if, we're, if you're looking at like a transparent business and you're looking at through these like transparent eyes, if I'm buying a t-shirt, that t-shirt probably has like a 60% markup um, or, you know, has like a 60% margin. And so I have that to play with at the marketing side where if I can go drive a sale for that person, I have, I have like a lot of wiggle room to actually like make margin off of the marketing stack as opposed to the payment stack that has like everybody's fighting over the same, you know, one and a half to 3%. Mm-hmm. So basically like that's, that's the, that's what we learned very early on with, with cosmic and that we um, deployed into Lolly is all these companies in the crypto space were fighting over these, like trying to be the payment rails on top of Bitcoin, but Bitcoin doesn't need payment rails really. Like all the, the best technologies in the space are all open source or have very low margins and haven't really reached the scale that I think um, that like Stripe, you know, ha- has reached, nor do they necessarily, like, I don't even know if anybody ever will. So Bitcoin pay server is an interesting example. Incredible open source project is one of the leaders in like, you know, open source Bitcoin payments, but it's just really like this like lightweight layer on top of Bitcoin. It's not necessarily a company. It's, it's more of like a foundation or a nonprofit more or less that works on top of Bitcoin. So I think it's a good example of how, you know, a system becomes 10x better because you, if you're a business and you're looking at Bitcoin pay server or Bitcoin and, and then you're, you're, you're on fiat, you know, getting charged three and a half percent by or 3.9% or, or something by Shopify plus a flat fee on top of Shopify. And then if you're like a Walmart, you're spending minimum one and a half percent on every transaction from hundred you know, billion dollars of, of sales you're quickly realizing like, why am I spending, you know, $2 billion in, in processing when I could be spending next to $0 if I was using a better system. And then you're, you're thinking, okay, Bitcoin has the volatility issue, but it's also the, the, the volatility feature. And that's where we created, that's why we created Lolly because with rewards, volatility and number go up, technology is a feature of rewards. It's not, a, it's not a hindrance on rewards. So we can actually kind of carve our way into having the most merchant partnerships of any crypto company, like very low key. Like a lot of people don't realize this, but I think we have more merchant partnerships, more top merchant partnerships than anybody in, in any crypto company in the world. And we're like a tiny scrappy startup. So we very much like carve that path and then we can go downstream into payments and, and make our money off of the marketing stack, the loyalty stack, the merchants. We don't actually have to make money off of the consumer because I don't think there's actually really any value creation off of making money off of the consumer. The consumer wants to move money for free. Sure. Yeah, that's uh, that's a fascinating view on it and sort of a very sophisticated view that it sounds like it took you a lot of kind of pain and suffering to arrive at <laughs> over <Yeah. laughs> over a decade. Um, but thanks for sharing all the alpha here. I I I I mean, yeah, I'll have to sort of think about that. It's it's a good point. Where uh, so maybe just for for the listeners' sake, for those who might not know what Lolly is, can you just like explain the basic idea and kind of how the tech works? Yeah, maybe maybe we can move this to the beginning of the episode or something because I, I, if people <laughs> don't know what Lolly is, they're like, what is he talking about and why does that matter? Um, but yeah, uh, Lolly is what we believe the easiest way for people to get into Bitcoin. Uh, we are a Bitcoin rewards company that rewards our users when they shop at over a thousand merchants. So all you have to do is you shop at your favorite merchants, uh, Postmates, Chewy, Macy's, Nike, Adidas, you name it. You shop at the merchants you're used to shopping at and you earn free Bitcoin when you shop. Oh, sorry. I was uh, I was muted there. I, that's That's really helpful. So how long, like, I guess, well... It works like as a browser plugin, right? So you download this browser plugin if you're a consumer and then it Lolly will keep track of your purchases on these applicable websites. Exactly. So yeah, it, it very much functions like a Rakuten Rewards or Honey in that it's a browser extension. Um, it pops up when you go to one of our merchant partners. It also, uh, if you go to lolly.com and you can search all of our thousand stores you can, you know, search sneakers and find uh, that we work with like Nike and Adidas and Foot Locker and you shop those sites and then you earn up to 30% back on an average of 7% back. So it's way higher than like 
credit card or debit card rewards. And the beautiful thing is you can use debit, your debit or credit card rewards in addition to it. So it's, it's all additive to your current shopping experience. Um, you basically just change your shopping behavior very minimally and you, you start on Lolly and you can typically earn like quite a bit of Bitcoin. We have users that have earned up to two Bitcoin on Lolly and uh, people can earn like quite a bit. I think it's deceptive of how, how much that Bitcoin adds up just, just with our rewards. And then when we launched, Bitcoin was at like 4K, 5K. And so now people have like 10X their rewards. And many of our users have coined this term called the lolly effect, which is, uh, is when the, the Bitcoin that you earned has surpassed the original price of the product. <laughs> and uh, we, we love when pe people will post about it being like, oh, the lolly effect is, is in, in full force. Um, and so basically if you've earned 10% on an item, that's already paid for itself if you joined us in the early days. Oh. Which is a cool, which is a cool effect of like sound money. Yeah, yeah, it's sort of the opposite of the pizza celebration where you know the guy paid ten thousand Bitcoin for a pizza or something. It's kind of the opposite of that. Yeah, exactly, it, it, exactly. It's like you know, what if Laszlo, you know, the guy who bought you know pizza for what was it ended up being like it was like ten thousand Bitcoin or something like that. You know, if, if he had bought pizza and earned Bitcoin, I think we calculated it would be worth something like five or $10 million of his earnings, something crazy like that. That's awesome. So, so it's, it's as easy, I guess, as just going and signing up. Uh, how, how does it work on the merchant side? Um, so like, you know, if I guess Chewy came, you went to Chewy and you're like, here's sort of our pitch. How, how do like the economics break down there? Yep. So the pitch is um, pretty straightforward. We, we go to these merchants and we say, hey, um, are you interested in attracting new customers? Uh, they clearly say yes. Everybody loves sales, uh, especially during COVID. Um, people are trying to figure out ways to you know, thrive during COVID or, or survive during COVID. Uh, and so basically we go to these merchants, we say, hey, we, you know, we have a great customer. Um, we bring you this customer. That customer shops the site. The, uh, the merchant pays us in fiat, um, and then we buy Bitcoin on an OTC. We get, you know, hedge fund rates for for our, our users. A lot of people don't realize that, but we, we really get great rates. And then we pass those those um, that Bitcoin off to the consumer, sending Bitcoin to their Lolly.com wallet. We are a custody wallet, so we we hold Bitcoin securely for our users. And then our users can do whatever they want with their Bitcoin. Uh, they can move it to their own Bitcoin wallet. They can move it to an exchange uh, or they can cash out into a US dollar bank account. Cool. And how long, like, uh, there's like a settlement period, right? It takes like a, a, a little bit for that to actually hit your account. Yep. So we, we actually pay out as soon as the merchant pays us, but the merchant, and this is just part of cashback rewards, but the merchant pays um, on, on a typically after like the return period is passed. So it's typically 30 to 90 days um, mm -hmm. after the purchase is made, we get paid and then we pay our, our users as soon as that happens. So sometimes we get uh, criticism for like, you know, wh where am I, where's my Bitcoin? You know, where's it we're coming? We're like, trust us. We're, we're, <laughs> we want to pay you as soon as possible. Uh, and we don't, we don't hold uh, in anything for longer than we need to. So as soon as the merchant pays us, we pay our users. Um, but that, that's typically after 30 to 90 days. So is it, I mean, I don't know really anything about the rewards world. It seems surprising to me that a merchant would be like, yeah, sure. I don't mind paying 10%. If, I mean, maybe that, and maybe that works out for them because it's just new volume. So they're willing to like eat a percentage, but is that been your, your experience that like, okay, merchants are willing to like tolerate a little slippage on their uh, their profits if it means new customers is that kind of the the idea there? It's a few things, um, and and that's it's that is a very uh, good observation because that it's 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 non obvious to most people. But if you think about advertising marketing margins, there's most merchants are, are actually spending way more on on marketing. There's you know a lot of them are spending like twenty five maybe even fifty percent um, of their entire uh, revenue just on, on the marketing side. Right. So if we're coming in and we're saying, Hey, we're going to go drive a customer for 10%, that's a bargain for them. Like, and, and then on top of that, we actually are able to increase average order value in a lot of cases and conversion, a lot of cases, because if, if, if a consumer is like, okay, well, I can shop at Amazon or I can shop at, 
uh, Macy's or I can shop at Nike and Macy's and Nike are giving me Bitcoin back, I actually probably am not going to shop at Amazon. I'm going to go shop at Macy's or Nike. So Macy's, or, Macy's and Nike are going to have higher conversion than they normally would have for a user that's like, you know, trying to like shop around and like compare prices on Amazon. Like that's an incredible user that you can actually attract and you can use Bitcoin as an incentive to attract that user and to get that, that user to actually convert higher and use you directly as opposed to Amazon. Mm -hmm. So there's actually like a very interesting macro um, like tailwind that every merchant's trying to compete against Amazon. And so they're all like sort of frenemies where they're selling on Amazon, but they also want to sell direct to the consumer because they can, uh, they can take more margin, like a significant more margin. So they're leveraging tools and incentive programs like Lolly to actually remove the reliance on Amazon and attract their customers. So I actually think like Lolly actually starts to look like an Amazon type play where you have a choice of the marketplace fee that you charge, the marketplace fee being the percent that you give back to the user, which really changes a lot of the dynamic, right? Like it actually passes way more back to the consumer and the consumer gets the upside on the marketing, the, basically like the consumer is in, in control of the marketing budget and saying, okay, like I wanna actually like capture the value of the marketing. I don't need to go get served ads all day. I'm gonna go actively, you know, shop at these different merchants that are gonna reward me with Bitcoin that are Bitcoin friendly merchants. And that's where I'm gonna spend my money as, a, as like an intelligent consumer. This year, the IRS will require you to report your crypto activity when filing your tax returns. Crypto-savvy taxpayers are using Node40 to determine the taxes they owe, or losses to claim. Whether you've traded the top five tokens or dove into the new and exciting world of DeFi, Node40 will provide a bulletproof picture of your current tax liability. Exchanges alone can't provide the reports you need. That's why you need a group of crypto tax geeks like the team at Node40 in your corner. With Node40, you won't have to worry about surprises come tax time. Be smart, be prepared, and embrace your crypto lifestyle. My listeners can even take advantage of a bully promo code by signing up today at node40.com slash bully. That's N-O-D-E 40.com slash B-U-L-L-Y. The Crypto.com app is a crypto super app that lets you buy, earn, and spend crypto all in one place. You can earn up to 8.5% APR on your Bitcoin and 14% APR on your stable coins. You'll be paid on a weekly basis and you can choose freely from flexible one month or three month tenures. Get 25 bucks worth of CRO when you download the crypto.com app with the code bully and stake 5,000 CRO or more to take advantage of their interest rate. Download the crypto.com app now to see the interest rates you could be earning on more than 30 coins. Hey guys, one of our sponsors, Gemini, just launched a new product called Earn. It allows you to earn interest daily on your cryptos just by holding them there. And the rates are insane. Some cryptos pay as high as 7.4% annually. Try getting that interest rate at your bank. There's no minimum balance and no fees for transferring it in or out. And it's also available to all US customers and supports up to 26 different cryptocurrencies. And while you're at it, make sure to check out Gemini's exchange. You can open a free account in under three minutes at Gemini.com slash bully. And if you use my ref link, you can get $10 in Bitcoin after you've traded $100 or more within 30 days. Once again, that's Gemini.com slash bully. Thanks. I think one of the promises of decentralization, and you sort of touched on it earlier, is that the the people in the biggest danger are the middlemen, the folks who sort of sit in the middle of transactions and take their cut. Um, somebody yesterday was talking about NFTs and a lot of like um, recording artists now are starting to explore basically issuing their, their audio tracks via NFT and somebody put forth all of the various fees and rewards that uh, artists get from like Spotify or Apple Music. And it's, I mean, it's really, really low. It's really small percentages that the actual artist gets back. So, you know, these technologies from Bitcoin to, you know, NFTs and all of sort of the various promises of decentralization, I think stand to kind of help consumers ultimately and help 
both people on, I guess, both sides of the transaction and maybe hurt the people in the middle who are just taking a, a piece of every transaction. Yeah, ab absolutely. Yep. Um, well, that's really interesting. And then I suppose Lolly takes like a, a percentage of every transaction or something on the back end, and that's how you guys make money. Yep, we make money from our merchants. So our, our merchants pay us um, a, a percentage of, of what they're giving the consumer mm -hmm. um, and a percentage of the total purchase uh, to, to, to drive that sale. Um, so really, you know, a lot of times we look like a marketing technology uh, to, the, to, the, to the merchant and they're willing to pay for that marketing because it's a fraction of what they're paying and it actually gives them better margins uh, in their business to, to attract more consumers. Sure, yeah, that makes sense. Um, well, that's awesome. And how, how big is the team now? I saw you guys raised what, 3 million bucks for a, for a new seed round recently? Yeah, fairly, fairly recently, about I think 11 months ago or so. Um, and, and we're actually, we have a, a, an unannounced round that we're about to announce uh, over the next couple of weeks. So uh, stay tuned, but um, it's gonna be a, a very exciting uh, round. Um, it has some awesome people in it that I think are gonna really help with distribution of sure. Bitcoin and, and Lolly. Um, but yeah, we've, we've raised um, from some really wonderful investors that have been very helpful. And these are like mainstream investors that um, a lot of them, you know, have helped us like really bridge the gap between, you know, our beliefs in, in Bitcoin and bringing those to the mainstream. Um, so yeah, uh, we have great, great group of uh, investors um, behind us. Awesome. And so one thing I wanted to ask about, and I don't know if this is a joke or not, but you seem to indicate on Twitter that it's not, but the, the official account tweeted the other day, we're excited to announce that we are raising $1 billion to buy more Bitcoin before Michael Saylor takes it all. Is it, I mean, is that a joke or are you guys actually planning to do that? I mean, if, if we could raise a billion dollars, I would do it tomorrow. Um, it's, <laughs> it's, it's like, I, I guess uh, they're, okay. Like it's, it's not entirely a joke. Um, I'm trying to think what I can share. Sure. We've had a lot of interest in clearly like people are like throwing money at us to like go build more, build faster. Mm -hmm. And when you're building a company, it's, it's, you have to be very cognizant of the amount of equity that you're giving up along the way. Um, that said, you know, we've been stacking sats internally and holding mm -hmm. Bitcoin on our balance sheet for a long time. And we've really, you know, we haven't really been public about it. It's kind of, um, you know, it's, it's just something we, we do internally uh, mm -hmm. because we're big believers in Bitcoin and, and, and Bitcoin is, a, is sort of a, a hedge against inflation. And so it's like if, if we're raising all this fiat and that is inflating as we're, you know, gr growing this company, uh, it's a it's actually a competitive advantage to hold Bitcoin on the balance sheet. So sure. now we're starting to see like Michael Saylor come out and do this at an unbelievable scale. And so I'm sitting here and, you know, like i <laughs> the amount of Bitcoin that we have just give you, know, I mean, you know, publicly mm -hmm. that we've raised, you know, 5 million to date. Um, you can imagine we don't have that much Bitcoin. We don't have, right. we don't have like the billions of dollars of Bitcoin that, that Sailor has. And so I'm sitting here being like, shit, I want more Bitcoin on my balance sheet. Sure. And we have people throwing money at us. And so I'm like, like half kidding where I'm like, Hmm, for the right terms, I would raise a billion dollars tomorrow to go put Bitcoin in the balance sheet. It's actually part of a larger thesis that's not all too dissimilar from Michael Saylor's, which is if you have Bitcoin on your balance sheet and you don't necessarily need that cash because we're creating a very, um, you know, cash, uh, I wouldn't say cash flow positive yet, but like a, a, a very, we have a business that is, has a very clear path to profitability. We're not just, we're not just, there's a lot of like these competitors that have emerged that are building really shitty businesses. And a lot of the consumers don't know that. Uh, I'm not going to name names. Everyone can like do their own research, but there's a lot of businesses that are being built that think that they're trying to compete on us with us, but they don't actually have good unit economics and they, they don't really have a path to profitability with their direction that they're going. And so our, our business has a very clear path to profitability. Uh, we have a lot of, you know, very active um, users. And so I'm sitting here being like, well, if I could raise a billion dollars at great terms and the, the money's out there and, you know, we, we know that people are looking to deploy capital into the Bitcoin space, there's actually a multiple that you can add on top of Bitcoin as a company where there, it's actually like can, in some cases, like, sure, a lot of these investors could just go buy Bitcoin, 
But if you're looking to deploy money into, into equities and you, and there's not really a Bitcoin ETF per se that you are like, there's not really like a Bitcoin, um, like you can't, like some funds can't do Bitcoin investing directly. A way to invest in Bitcoin indirectly is to invest in businesses like Lolly sure. that are Bitcoin based businesses that are going to rise with the tide of Bitcoin. So the demand is like not too far off. And it, I, I like kind of doing these things where I'll like point to left field and say like, oh, I'm going to do this. And because like I've been right for the last like 10 years about the future of the world. And I would love at some point over the next five years to raise a billion dollars to put Bitcoin on our balance sheet uh, because I'm a, clearly a very big uh, believer in Bitcoin and you can never have enough Bitcoin personally or on your balance sheet. So yes, I, I, if someone wants to go get, someone listening to this podcast wants to give me a billion dollars, uh, I will go buy Bitcoin with it and put it on our balance sheet and set our company up to be extremely defensible in the, and, and attractive in the public markets when we, when we end up going public. What's really interesting about you guys' business model is like, basically all of your OPEX is Bitcoin, right? So like, if you buy it, <laughs> like you're paying out rewards in Bitcoin. So presumably, I don't know like the accounting methods you guys use, but I guess presumably you could buy a bunch of Bitcoin at one price. And then if it goes up in value, you have to pay out less of that Bitcoin over time because the Bitcoin itself is more valuable than what you, what your, I guess, cost basis is at. Is that sort of, is that right? Or am I mis, mis it's, am I not thinking about that right? No, no, no. It's, it's definitely right at scale. We don't, um, we don't look at ourselves today as like a, like there's a lot of creative things you can do with like hedging and, and financial instruments uh, where you're basically trying to beat the, the Bitcoin market um, and then taking that margin and, and uh, capitalizing on it. At this point, we don't, we don't do anything tricky like that. At, at the end of the day, we actually really, you know, if we were ever like, audited by you know whatever like we want to be very transparent like we're we are literally buying the bitcoin from you know 25 different exchanges to get our users the best price because i mean our, our users don't even ask about it which is funny but like we want to, if, if anybody ever did ask you know we want to show like we're getting bitcoin for the best price we're getting you know bitcoin for like the same prices that exchanges are the same prices that hedge funds are and we are passing those savings back to the consumer um and everybody wins so at this point, it doesn't make sense to, 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 to get really creative. It makes sense to like, just make more money from the merchants. The merchants want to pay us a lot of money. And that's where all of our, our revenue and margins uh, can be. And it, that's like the most transparent business you can possibly build. Merchants are paying us you know, for uh, our users when they shop their site. So the, all the incentives are aligned and everybody's optimizing for the right things. Sure. Are you guys going out and buying Bitcoin like once a month or is it like once a day you'll sort of settle up what, what you've done that day? Yeah, near, near real time. Um, mer merchants pay us um, on a just almost every day. Um, but it's real. I mean, like I said, when, we're, when merchants pay us, we're out there buying Bitcoin and then passing that back to the, to the user. Gotcha. And then, so I've seen this sort of like sats tag thing. I guess it's like the tilde. I, I, I view it as a section sign because I'm a lawyer. It looks, it's like two S's. <laughs> um, yeah. But I'm curious to hear, like, how, do, how does that work? Is that sort of like a pain? Like I could basically drop you some Satoshis? Yeah. So one of our frustrations with the Bitcoin space is that there's not a easy intuitive way to send and receive bitcoin on top of like a even even like on a custodial side so what we want to create and i think what's very important for the world um, is basically this like identity layer on top of bitcoin so sats tags are v version one of that and we there's lots of things that we can do with that over time that we're very excited about but what you're seeing with sats tags is like v1 of what we believe could be an identity layer on top of Bitcoin. So when we're going in like, it, let, let's just say this. So, so it's like, if I did a giveaway or if I, if someone posted a funny meme, I, or if somebody like, you know, sent us a merchant or something, I want to go send them Bitcoin. And I could either as a centralized service, I could ask them, um, you know, for their email, I could say, you know, they could send me their, 
their information that way. Or I could just say like, give me your stats tag. And it creates this easy identifiable layer um, for us to communicate with our users. And like, you're a great example, like, you know, anonymous figure, you know, you could have stats tag uh, bully and I could just send you money. I don't need to know who you are. The world doesn't need to know who you are and I can send money to you. And that creates this like identity layer, abstraction layer of your identity. But ultimately it's sending to this custodial wallet and you could then send that wall that that Bitcoin to any wallet in the world. Um, and, and so it's sort of this bridge between the like um, the like your public figure, whether that's anonymous or pseudonymous, um, and then creating this like identity behind this figure, uh, which is you know your real identity and the fact that you want to truly own your Bitcoin. Sure. So it's sort of like a wallet address or like an email address for money. Sort of. Yeah, that's that's the goal. Very cool. And then, you know, I noticed on your website, you guys are US only for the time. I mean, I assume that you guys have some sort of expansion plan or it, are, is that in the works or are you planning that on the next round? Yeah, we have a very aggressive uh, international exp expansion plan. We very much had international demand um, for, for Lolly and it's been, it's really tough. I mean, I don't think a lot of people like look at Bitcoin companies and they are like, oh, well, Bitcoin's international, thus you should be international. But when you look at it from a, just a startup, like most companies don't go international until like, you know, five plus, maybe even 10 plus years, right? And some never go international, uh, especially when you're dealing with payments, because there's so many things that we're doing that are, you know, constrained by um, like geographic constraints. So the fact that like all of our merchants are US based and now we have to go develop partnerships that are international. Uh, the fact is though that Bitcoin is international, has international demand and that we, you know, really want to serve an international user because of that demand. So um, also like our mission is to distribute Bitcoin to everybody and make Bitcoin more accessible to everyone. So I, I really don't want to be in a position where we're just giving people, you know, in the US, but at the same time, we, we have to create a unit economic positive business that is thriving in the US first so that we can go into other countries and um, and then ultimately have competitive advantages because we're in multiple countries and make it so that it's very difficult to compete with us um, domestically and internationally. Um, so, so yeah, in, in short, we are expanding internationally this year, very excited to do so. Um, and it's a long time coming because we've had a lot of international demand um, for, for what we're doing. Right on. So, you know, that's cool. And I'd encourage my users to, or listeners to go and check it out. It's trylolly.com, right? Two L's? No, it's actually lolly.com, L-O-L-L-I.com. Um, our Twitter is trylolly. Ah, that's where I'm getting it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And definitely follow us on Twitter. Um, got a fun, some fun memes. Yeah. Um, and you guys Bitcoin like giveaway. You guys give away some sats here and there, don't you? We give away a lot of Bitcoin there. It's all backed by merchants and stuff, but it, we do give away a lot of Bitcoin. Right on. So, you know, one thing I wanted to like kind of get in with you is, I, I, I mean, I presume you don't offer any sort of support for like Ethereum or any other coins. Um, and I assume part of that's intentional. I'm just curious to hear like wh why Bitcoin is, I mean, I think I know the answer, but I just, just curious and like if there's any plans to expand to sort of Ethereum or like Web3 MetaMask wallet type stuff or if you think like Bitcoin is the future, this is what we're focused on and here's why. I'm just sort of curious to hear your thoughts on that. Uh, yeah, great question. So we are, uh, I, I would say that Bitcoin has already proven its value to society and is directionally, um, in line with the with the path that we want to go. So, you know, we want to give our users ultimately the ability to move money anywhere in the world. And so far, Bitcoin is the best to do that. Uh, ETH is not really money uh, to most people and it has served its value to developers, but our users are not really developers. Our users are, are like, I mean, developers are shoppers, but our users are like, you know, shoppers. And, and so I have a high degree of certainty that ETH2 
um, has a lot of um, uh, potential and I like the direction that it's going, but a lot of the scalability challenges, gas prices, um, just general scalability of Ethereum, I think will be proven out with ETH2 um, and that, that will power this uh, inevitable future of stable coins or um, you know, central bank um, uh, stable coins. And I'm very bullish on stable coins. And I, I don't think that it's like 100% yet that Ethereum will power stable coins or, um, but I, I do think that Ethereum is clearly like winning, but I just don't know um, yet if, if our users want Ethereum. Um, I, I just have, I mean, really, I mean, it's, it's, I was actually surprised. I thought there was gonna be a lot of um, uh, people who like demanded Ethereum. And I thought we were ultimately gonna have to do it because there was so much demand. No one's requesting Ethereum. It's really wild. People want Bitcoin. Bitcoin is what everybody knows. Ethereum is like a nice to have, but it's not really like super relevant for our business. And it doesn't really have a path to Ethereum being a payment rail. There's there's a path for, there's a very clear path for stable coins to be a payment rail, but that doesn't necessarily mean that people want to earn Ethereum. They might want to earn stable coins and get interest on that. And that's very much a, a part of our, of our, our path. But I don't really think Ethereum is actually better than Bitcoin as a reward mechanism for most people. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. And, you know, I mean, I've been in the community long enough to know, like, there's certain advantages to being sort of Bitcoin forward. And, you know, there's a very loyal community behind Bitcoin. And um, it's great to have the support of those folks. And um, so, I, I mean, it, it could probably be beneficial sort of just purely from a marketing point of view as well. Yeah, I mean, there, there's definitely a, a marketing uh, side to it, but that's actually probably like less of, of it. I mean, clearly like, you know, I, I love I love the Bitcoin community and I'm, I'm very much a part of the Bitcoin community and ha have been for, for quite some time. Um, and, and, but like, I actually don't subscribe to a lot of like the dogmatic beliefs that like, I actually, I would love if I saw something that, was better than Bitcoin. I have never seen anything that's better than Bitcoin, but I'm open to it. And I'm, I'm like, you know, I think that the Bitcoin community has, I, I get why they're so sensitive to um, people coming in with new coins because they've been burned by so many people over the years that have had these like lofty promises and they've gotten scammed. Uh, and Bitcoin still like, you know, 12 years later is like still like pretty much like, you know, unfazed by anything that has, that has come. It's still, you know, highest market cap. It's, it's pretty much um, anti-fragile at this point. So I, I, I get why people are so dogmatic. I totally understand it. Um, and I, and like, I'm clearly like a very much a Bitcoin bull and, and um, I would say like a non-toxic Bitcoin maximalist. Um, <laughs> but I, I, uh, I get it. I mean, it makes sense why they're, that everybody is so skeptical of everything else. And there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of different philosophies that, that Bitcoin attracts. So of course you're going to attract different people that, you know, if, if you're like a sound money, um, if, 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 that, if you're like a big sound money proponent, like you're going to hate Ethereum because like there's never been a set answer if they're ever going to print more Ethereum. And if you don't know if they're going to print more Ethereum, then like they're just as good as the, as like the, the, the Fed or the, any sort of central bank. So there's clearly distrust if like the leaders of Ethereum are not saying there's a hard cap um, on the supply of Ethereum. Um, and, and thus there's like skepticism there if you're like a sound money maximalist and Bitcoin is the best sound money uh, in the world right now um, and has the best like technology on, on sound money. So th there's just different philosophies I think that attracts people. Um, I, I'm very open-minded uh, to be perfectly like honest and I like I'm always looking for things that are going to improve Bitcoin. I'm like really bullish on on second layer solutions. Um, I think I don't know if this is contrarian anymore, but I, I know at one point, and I've I've said this for three years, but I'm I'm like very bullish on stable coins. Like I I, I think a lot of Bitcoiners are very anti-stable coins, but if you zoom out and you take a very long view, stable coins are probably the most bullish um, path to get to hyper Bitcoinization, and stable coins will help us get to a hyper Bitcoinization future faster than not having stable coins. You have to, you have to move money. 
um, across the, the, the internet. And you're not going to do that with just Bitcoin alone. Bitcoin's going to be too volatile. So stable coins can kind of like ease that volatility because we can actually move money anywhere. And with reward systems, we can actually get rewards in Bitcoin. Um, and, then, and then ultimately, you're, you're, if you have a stable coin that can transfer very easily into, into Bitcoin, you're going to be looking at this like $1 in a stable coin and being like, why don't I just swap it for something? Like every time that the Fed prints is like, I'm just going to swap it to Bitcoin. It's going to, it's like a hedge. It's the easiest hedge where if you don't have stable coins, if you have fiat money, it's so cumbersome to air swap fiat into, into Bitcoin. So I think there's a very clear path from stable coins to, to Bitcoin and a much harder path from like fiat old money into, into Bitcoin. Um, and, and, and really like, if you're looking on more of like international economic side, like look at a country, let's just say like Nigeria, which I think I just reached like 30% uh, penetration in the market of people using crypto, uh, which I think is the highest uh, per capita. And, and so let's just say like Nigerians are doing business with Americans or Europeans. Like when I, when I talk to my Nigerian friends, they, they want a solution where they can actually do business in Europe because that opens up their um, you know, economic uh, attractiveness where they don't have to do business in their native currency, they can do business in a stable coin, um, in, in Euro, European stable coin, US dollar stable coin, so they can move money very freely. If they continue to do that and they have no um, control over the money printer going burr, they're gonna wanna opt for Bitcoin. And the more countries that opt for Bitcoin and, and the more that Bitcoin becomes a less volatile asset then someone's native currency slowly but inevitably these all these countries outside of the US start to rely on bitcoin over the chinese yen over the euro over the US dollar and that's the bull case for bitcoin in my in my opinion yeah and I, you know i I, I don't know if you had a chance to listen to the up only podcast with kobe and ledger where they interviewed suzu from three errors capital um, but he sort of got into this too. And he was talking about sort of like the ultra hype cycle for Bitcoin, where it could be like the super bullish case. And one of the things he mentioned was the same exact example you gave, like, okay, well, a lot of central governments hold gold and they hold like a fair amount of it um, for obvious reasons. And it's pretty natural to think that governments are going to start to hold just a percentage of Bitcoin's total supply, even if it's like 0.01%, but they might be like, okay, we should have something in our treasury that has Bitcoin on the books for the reasons you stated. And then, you know, a lot of banks we're seeing start to kind of consider holding it the same way they hold gold. So yeah, I mean, the more like large entities like that, that are holding Bitcoin, obviously the more bullish it becomes and the more sort of common practice it becomes to, to hold it. Exactly. Um, you mentioned layer two scaling solutions. Have you guys looked at like Lightning Network as a method for settling some of these payments? Yeah, we love Lightning. Uh, I mean, the whole team uses it personally. Um, we haven't really felt the need to um, integrate it into our current system because we're not, there's like, there are some users, very small percentage of users that actually move their Bitcoin to their own wallets. And those users, I think, would like to have Lightning. Um, but Lightning is not necessarily uh, there yet, in my opinion. I love what Lightning Labs is doing to develop Lightning. I love what Square Crypto is doing to develop Lightning. I think that we're in like day one of Bitcoin, but even more so day one of Lightning. So I think that there's um, a lot of work to be done there, but there's so many exciting things going on right now. Um, I, I think we, we, we will take a very intentional path to, to Lightning um, when the time's right, but adding Lightning doesn't really move our business forward. We can operate the same as we normally would because we're actually doing a lot of like batch purchasing um, of Bitcoin. So we're not really like subject to a lot of the fees um, and Lightning doesn't necessarily solve our problems per se. So um, if we ever got into like Bitcoin payments where our users were actually like paying our merchants with Bitcoin, which no one really wants to do right now, um, but in, in you know, a 
closer to hyper Bitcoinization when people want to actually pay with Bitcoin or pay with a stable coin, like layer two solutions make a lot of sense in that regard. But we're just, we're just far from that right now. Um, that said, like, I mean, you know, we're in all the lightning channels. We love the lightning team. Uh, we, you know, we support them as like, you know, personal users. Um, and, you know, I, I think some of my favorite experiences in Bitcoin uh, and really one of the only ways that Bitcoin achieve it, achieves the uh, hyper Bitcoinization future uh, that I think a lot of us want is uh, is if they if layer two solutions work. So yeah, big big supporters of, of Lightning. Um, like I think Liquid super interesting, um, and I, I think there's going to be a lot of layer two solutions that that emerge over the next few years um, that that really accelerate Bitcoin adoption. Sure. So you know, sort of speaking of future product offerings and stuff, do you guys have? I mean, I'm sure you have some sort of roadmap, but I'd just be curious about like what you'd want to share publicly that, you know, you may be working on or kicking around ideas for in the future. So over the next few weeks, we're going to launch the ability for users to earn on their, on, on our app. Um, so you can download the, the Lolly app. Uh, you're going to be able to earn not just from what we call like daily stacks or our loot box, but you're also going to be able to earn when you shop. S same, same as we've had on web for the last Two and a half years, so uh, that's going to be really exciting. Um, we've got a lot more ways to earn coming up in the future, and uh, also very excited to give our users the ability eventually, you know, to do things like buy Bitcoin, sell Bitcoin, earn interest on their Bitcoin, uh, really like financial services on top of Bitcoin that I think are going to be very important for attracting people to the Bitcoin space that maybe. Did, are, are coming from the fiat space because there's a lot of advantages that you can have with lending, a lot of advantages you can have with like holding Bitcoin over, you know, fiat money. Um, and, and so I think that's that's going to be very exciting. And then ultimately, you know, I, I, I want to give our users the ability to, to pay with Bitcoin and pay with stable coins. Um, because again, like if you can remove some of the middlemen from the equation um, that, that are just like tax collectors, you can give people the ability to like pay with Bitcoin pay with crypto uh, anywhere in the world. And that's, that's a really powerful future uh, to be a part of. And, and that's, that's something I think we're going to bring given that we have, you know, the most uh, adoption in, in the merchant space and also in the, in a, a lot of adoption in the consumer space. Awesome. Yeah, no, uh, sounds like a great sort of roadmap and I'll be watching you guys closely. It sounds like you guys have big things on the horizon. So Alex, I, uh, I think we're out of time here, but I really want to thank you for coming on. My listeners can follow you at Alex Edelman or Edelman or check out lolly.com or at trylolly on Twitter. So yeah, any, uh, any parting thoughts? Uh, just, yeah, stack those sats. Keep <laughs> uh, acquiring as much Bitcoin as you possibly can. And uh, especially during these like the you know, quote unquote dip or dip for ants. As we said, um, yeah, but uh, I'm, I'm feeling really good about the future. I uh, appreciate all you do uh, for, for Bitcoin and, and crypto education. Um, and and uh, yeah, keep, keep uh, doing your thing. Um, I think it takes all, all, uh, all of us to, to build this future that we all want to live in. So thank you for all you do. Yeah, man. Awesome. Okay. All right. Well, uh, yeah, thanks. Thanks for joining me and users check out Lolly. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. New episodes go live every Wednesday, 7 a.m. Eastern. Links to our Apple and Spotify channels are in the show notes. You can also follow me on Twitter at BullyESQ to continue the conversation. See you next week.